Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios of Relate365.com, and I'm with Todd McElhaney again. I encourage you, if you did not hear the last program, go to Relate365.com, and you can download this podcast. And uh, look for the ones with Todd and Dave, and you'll be able to get what we talked about last time. We were talking about creativity and music, and I want to keep talking about music if I can. Okay. Music seems to be um, something that affects our culture in a very dramatic way. Mm-hmm. It affects people differently. Mm-hmm. Even people of the same ethnicity. Uh, you have some Scandinavian in you, right? Uh, Swedish. Yes, yeah. and so do I. Mm-hmm. I don't tap my foot. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, you do. So it, it, music affects us differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I make fun of Swedes because I am Swedish and I talk about how you know, flatlined we are in everything mm-hmm. in the world. And uh, whenever I do, my daughter gets mad at me, by the way, because she's not flatlined and I am. And mm-hmm. she's Swedish as well, obviously. Yeah. In fact, she's more Swedish than I am. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I have fun with it. But the truth of the matter is we all hear things differently. Mm-hmm. There are some people where I think are, are reached by music that would never be reached by like a sermon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there are times in my life when I look back where I think things were just rough in college. I can remember a time and I, I remember listening to a song at church and it changed my demeanor. It wasn't the message that day. It was mm-hmm. a song and what it said. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the, the artist had all that in mind or whatever, but it, it did. It changed God my used thought process. It that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think music is very important because it reaches the spectrum of people that something else might not reach. I think uh, lectures are important because they reach a spectrum of people that maybe music isn't going to reach. I think some, it's a combination of both. I, I just am a lecturer more and I like that, but I just told you a time where music reached out to me. And I think since God can communicate any way he feels like it, mm-hmm. that what he's looking for is vessels that will produce things that people can uh, listen to that he will use in their life, whether it be mm-hmm. you know, music or lecture or, or right. maybe writing a book or, or pamphlet or something. Um, but I was thinking with how powerful music is in our culture in general. I mean, we have you know, radio stations dedicated to music you know, 24-7. You got all these channels mm-hmm. you can get media on your computers or whatever. Um, there are people that really have a platform and people scrutinize their lives. Mm-hmm. So as, yeah, as a musician, if, if you're a musician, you're a big time musician, people are going to scrutinize your life. Mm-hmm. And they can actually reject everything that you have ever said because of something they disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Throw it all out. And now there's trouble. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Are there any musicians that are not sinful? Not a one. So every musician is sinful. Yeah. Now, we grew up in pastors' homes. Are there any pastors that are sinless? No. No, they're all sinful. No. Yep. Okay. Here's, We're all people. Yeah. So if I'm sitting there listening to somebody teach the Bible, I'm listening to a sinner teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. So if I want to point at their sin and never listen to him again, I guess I could do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to look at it, everything through that perspective, that lens, is just have an understanding that it's a flawed person that is doing their flawed best to communicate. Yeah, it's, it's a poor person telling another poor person where to find the food, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's not like one of them's rich. Right. 
and, and <laughs> we're all in the same uh, kind of boat together here. Now, recently in the news, and I, I have never heard this musician ever in my life, there's a, a rap artist who has become a believer, I believe. And what Ka is, Kanye West. Okay, yeah. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name. So mm -hmm. that Kanye? Kanye, yeah. Kanye West. Um, now, he, he does rap music, don't what he does? I, th I think so, yeah. I haven't really listened to his stuff either. I, most of it in the past has been explicit. So. Now, is, is, he a, is he a famous musician? Yeah, he's super famous. And he's married to somebody famous? Who's yeah, the Kardashian. Um, Kim Kardashian. Okay, so yeah. he's married to one of the Kardashians. Yeah. Which, again, I don't know that I'd notice her if I saw her, but that's my age probably. So here, <laughs> he said that he is now a believer, a Christian, and, uh, and obviously I'm thinking as an old guy, good. I, that's good. Mm -hmm. We all come to a point in life, hopefully, where we realize our sinful condition, put our trust in Christ, and hopefully right. it makes a difference in our life. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, reading about what's going on, that sounds like what happened. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't judge that. This just sounds like that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, I see people, I mean, I can see the valid concern of, you know, wanting to make sure um, it's real before, you know, having him headline Winter Jam or some Christian tour, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can see where there would be that concern. There's, there's a part of me, too, though, that just kind of gets bummed at how Christianity is so judgmental to other Christians, okay. you know, or people that claim to be Christians. Um, and so I, I would hope that, you know, there'd be some well-known ministry leaders that kind of take them under their wing and be like, all right, let's talk about this. Let's help you, you know. And from, you know, just the conversations that I've had with other people about the album, I'm, um, I haven't listened to it yet, so I should go do that to, to form my own opinion. But um, just from the conversations I've had, it sounds like his whole premise of this album, it's called Jesus is King, is I'm this is all new to me and I just showed up here, but I'm all in, you know, it's kind of, it's not like deep theology or anything like that. And, um, so you're saying we wouldn't use this for a theology class at a seminary at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, my whole thought on the whole thing is I just wrestle with, you know, we had talked about, um, before recording, like people that are not believers, Paul says you should expect them to not act like believers. Okay, done. You know, like right. got that expectation out of the way. People who are not believers are not going to act like believers. They need God's grace. Right. It's not really like our grace that they need. They need God's grace, and we should expect them to not act like believers. Believers should give other believers grace. You know, we act like, oh, so-and-so said this wrong throughout everything he's ever done, you know, or this guy who was, you know, had a lot of explicit secular content right. for a long time says he's a believer. Well, he's got all that other stuff. You know, now that he's a believer, they feel like they can judge him like he's a believer that's acted like he hasn't even had time to straighten out, you know, his life yet. Right. You know, so um, I had been told that he was on an interview um, with Jimmy Fallon, and he's something to the effect of like, well, would you consider yourself a Christian artist now? And he's like, I'm a Christian everything, you know? And I, part of me really respects that. There's right. so many Christian artists that kind of tiptoe around this, like, well, are you guys Christian artists? Well, I mean, we're Christians in a band, but we're not really a Christian. Just, right. <laughs> you know, just say like, I'm a Christian, you know? And I mean, people can take it or leave it, you know, but you don't have to act ashamed about it. And so that's something I really respect. It's like, 
man, just came on the scene, just became a believer. People are asking him pointed questions. Are you a Christian now? It's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, no shame. And I think that, I, th- I think that people like that should be, you know, poured into by other believers. Like, okay, let's let's talk about it. Let's have this conversation. Absolutely. And but, he might be actually. And I I hope so. And um, I just I struggle even with this idea though of people not wanting to meet with him because they don't want their names to be tarnished as you know well-known christian whatever yeah so anyways it's just an interesting let's just take a look at the apostle paul who was he before he was paul (laughs) yes yeah i love that he was he was putting believers in prison yeah he was you know to their deaths and and all of a sudden god meets him on a road to Mm -hmm. damascus and strikes him down blind Mm -hmm. and pretty much uh saul was his name becomes paul right from that point on god used him Mm mm-hmm all right, let's take a look at Peter. Peter was the head of the church, right? Right, yeah. There was a time where he denied Christ in public. Three in, times. In front of little kids. Yeah, he's scared of what the kids would say. Jesus grabs him. He's fishing. Jesus takes him and talks to him and says three times, do you love me? We'll go feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's really interesting about that is that Peter was a failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had denied Jesus in public. Right. And Jesus is saying, after being with him three years. Yeah, are you done with this? <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. I need you to go forward here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I think uh, Jesus was saying to Peter at that moment was, it's good it's not about you, huh, Peter? Yeah. It's mm. good it's about me. Why don't you go make it about me? Mm-hmm. Because you, Peter, know that you're a failure. And by the way, you are. Peter gives me hope. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, Peter. And whenever I read that passage, I... I I always remind myself, as a leader, I need to make it about God, not about me. Mm-hmm. And if I make it about God, then all of the stupid things that I've done, mm-hmm. all the crazy things, all the, all the sin in my life, all that kind of stuff, it, all of a sudden God goes, yeah, I know, you're sinful. And Well, make it about me, Dave, would you? You can make mm-hmm. it about my mercy. You can make it about my grace. And maybe it'll make sense then. Because mm-hmm. if you make it about you, uh, the universe isn't about you, hasn't been about you ever. Mm-hmm. and you keep trying to make it about you, and right. that's where we're messing up here. Right. Uh, so Kanye West can actually make it about Jesus right now. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he And is. I would be okay with that if he's mm-hmm. making it about Jesus. And I would assume and I would hope, and if he's listening to this podcast, which chances are pretty slim, <laughs> but if he is, <laughs> I, I'm hoping that he actually will mm-hmm. find a mentor and meet with that mentor and somebody who's just old and gray and enjoys God and knows God well, and let him bring him along in the faith. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the most important thing to do. Um, It's going to be hard for anybody under public scrutiny Mm -hmm. to do anything. I agree earlier, the statement you made, that sometimes it's really tough. Uh, Christians are tough on Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I am one that, that doesn't uh, participate in any alcohol at all. I don't like alcohol. I don't want, I, in fact, I think it's harmful to both families. I think it's harmful to individuals. I don't want anything to do with it. Do you know the, the only crowd I have trouble with is Christians on that stand? Hmm. Really? Yeah. Non-Christians huh. do not care. Hmm. They don't care. I could be in a non-Christian crowd and they say, you want a drink? No. What do you want? A Pepsi, a water? What do you want? Okay, that's cool. See you later. Hmm. A, a Christian, I go, so you're one of those. <laughs> really? Yeah, you know, I mean, you, huh. 
So, so you're saying anybody that drinks, you know, it's like. You're one of those. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, huh? What in the world are you talking about? I'm one of those. You're right. I abstain. I think it's a bad habit. I think it hurts families. I think, I think it's not good to do. I can give you all my reasons if you really want, but you don't want. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm, don't give me anything. I don't want to drink it. I don't want to be around people who are drunk. I, I just don't want to do that in life. Mm-hmm. Now, again, my secular friends, when I taught school, I was in a bowling league. I never really talked to them about alcohol or anything. I just, I never did. And none of the people I was with were believers. And so I was involved in their lives. I, I part of a bowling league. If you've ever been to a bowling league with a bunch of people who aren't believers, mm-hmm. they act like unbelievers. And <laughs> Go figure. I went in there, and, and the first day I went there, I was, I was a little late, and I got there, and, and they all had their drinks, and they bought me one. And the, one of the teachers looks and said, got you a ginger ale. I assumed you didn't drink. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and I thought, well, thank you. Never a comment to the negative. Never, yeah. you know, just I assumed you didn't drink, so we got you a ginger ale. You know, it, thank you. I like ginger ale. Yeah. So we bowled, and as soon as they that? got so soused that they couldn't, you know, they didn't know which direction the alley and was. you were destroying them in bowling. I, I was. <laughs> and eventually I just left because I couldn't handle it anymore, and they would, you know, they never remembered that I left anyway. So it, it's one of those things where... <laughs> It's like, okay, we're so done with this as far as that goes. Uh, but I do think that there's interesting. Um, I teach classes, and I uh, will teach, and I'll teach from a book. Mm-hmm. And I'll have uh, some people contact me later and say, do you know this, this author also believed this and this? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I know that. And I would disagree with them, too, on those things. But here's some points that they said that really, really, really were profound mm-hmm. that I want my students to grab. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that dumb that I do that? No, I, I think um, maybe I'll just share that little story about C.S. Lewis. <laughs> um, so I had spoke for my dad um, at his church when he had surgery. And I was filling in for him. Anyways, I had just been saying that like this is a really exciting time in history when it comes to learning and growing and in biblical knowledge and I just said I feel like I can stand on the shoulder of giants with you know the podcasts that are available how available you know the bible is in any translation you want on your phone and tablet and all this stuff and um podcasts and anyways um I just shared that in in the message and one of the guys came up to me afterwards and you know um gave his critique and whatever and said you you should be careful who you recommend you know and um i was like yeah that that's true you know i guess i didn't know where every one of these authors was on every theological doctrine um but i had just shared a few books you know by different authors that had really um, help me in my spiritual sure. walk. And <clears throat> anyways, in closing on the conversation, I had kind of just, C.S. Lewis was one of them. I had really got a lot out of his mere Christianity and the problem sure. of pain and those different books like that. And kind of as a closing joke, I was like, well, C.S. Lewis is fine, right? And he's like, no, I don't think he was saved. Oh, man. And so I was kind of like... <clears throat> First off, what? Yeah. <laughs> Second off, that is bold um, to claim that. And it, so I was super confused by that. And then ironically, later that week, um, I was we were going through the book Prayer by Timothy Keller. And Timothy Keller quoted C.S. Lewis 
and I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something I'm paraphrasing to the effect of a good critic will read and take what he can from every author's work that's good. And a bad critic will simply narrow down the list of books that he is allowed to read. And I just think, you know, that is so true. People are flawed. And when you look really close, people are flawed. And so to just throw out everything they do, like like you said, like you are going to be totally lonely and disappointed in life if you only surround yourself by perfect people. You're not even going to be around yourself. Right. So I, I think that we need to be gracious with believers. And, you know, especially when you're talking about teaching, if you're only going to teach a perfect person's work, I mean, you're, you're done yeah. to Jesus, which is good. Um, now, you know, it's important to... You, you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's important yeah. that we discriminate uh, as far as truth and error. I mean, that's important. But here's what you do. You get in the Bible and read it. Read it cover to cover. Make that the, the source. Mm-hmm. Make that what you know best. Right. Make sure you're not knowing authors best. Make right. sure you know the Bible yes. best. The Bible needs to be the, you know, the plumb bob, yeah. the filter, everything that it goes Absolutely. through. But if s- something that somebody says is good and it goes through the filter of the Bible and it's still good, then I think you should be able to use that. Right. You know, whether or not they're 100% on, you know, a different issue. Like, like we were talking about yeah. earlier, like if they have something good to say, like, don't just throw out everything. Um, so anyways, I, th- I think we argue a lot on different theological points to, t- to show how brilliant we are or something. I'm not sure why we do that because I'm not sure anybody has a grip of everything. Now, I, I would tell you mm-hmm. that as I've read the Bible through maybe 30, 35, 40 times that I have a, a very particular view of what it says. Mm hmm. I honestly don't think that I believe anything wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. So right. going into the conversation, I would say there's a I reason. I don't think anybody does. Right. There's a reason why I believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. I've read it many times. If you were to ask me why I believe something, I probably could back it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all I'm With saying. With something in the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that I know everything right and I have the right perspective. I'm just telling you that. I've read it a lot of times. Here's what I know. Mm-hmm. And if you've read it a lot of times and you know something else, I'd be glad to dialogue with you on it sure. and you see how we're seeing it differently possibly. And I think that would be the mature approach. It's yeah. like, all right, let's talk, talk about it. Not yeah. like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I had, I had a group come up once. Now, my dad wrote a, a, a book on It's a theology handbook. Okay. And so he covers, obviously, theology. So it's a handbook. It's not a book book. Uh, by that, I mean it's an outline, and he actually taught it to us when we were in high school, and since then, a publisher's gotten it, so we have a theology handbook that you can go through. You can look, see what uh, is taught on the Holy Spirit, the church, the, you know, mm-hmm. God, Jesus, whatever. Um, I was at a, a conference once, and those books were out, and I had a, a group of guys come up, and they opened it up, and they looked to the eschatology, to the Revelation passage, and they were looking through, looking through, and I, I remember one looking at the other and saying, Hmm. He teaches this. Don't buy the book. Closed it and put it down. <laughs> and I they thought, just like zoomed to that zoomed one to little <laughs> one one area, one thing, and said, "No, they d- we disagree eschatology with their eschatological whatever the word is, yeah, viewpoint." And so you can't even buy this book and read anything in, in it. And they put it down. And they walked away in a huff, like I was uh, leprous or something. Yeah. 
people like to be super self-righteous about that and it makes them i don't know i i guess it's more about like if i can find something that they are wrong on i am more spiritually enlightened therefore superior yeah. i don't know it's well there was a there was a obnoxious. young man that came to camp years ago and he loved to argue about the sovereignty of god and the choice of man i mean he he would never change his mind but he would always start the discussion mm-hmm. and i used to hear him in the hall uh, you know of our offices and i would shut and lock my door and put the blinds down mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I don't like those discussions. You know me. I like discussions. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even mind, you know, fodder for thought. And it, it's just I don't want to argue about something. I don't want right. to sit there and have no point to the discussion. It's not edifying. No, we know at the end of it we're not going to agree on what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to just do that. Right. Um, I, when somebody wants to argue about end times, I, I do have a view on it. I'm not going to say it right now, but I have a view on, you know, pre-trip, post. I have a, I have a view. And normally I'll tell them, what do we know? What, what can we agree on on end times? Jesus is coming back. Yes. And the Bible teaches that he's coming back imminently. Mm-hmm. All right. So I would ask the person, do you believe that Jesus is coming back imminently? Oh, yeah. Do you believe in the end that God wins? Yes. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in, yeah. in all of the That's real important stuff, yeah. we're on the same page. Now, I've had people talk to me about why that approach is heretical. Because if you get something else wrong in it, you get these things wrong, and you get that wrong, and before you know it, you're wrong everywhere. I'm thinking, oh my it's goodness. It's stuff we can't know. I, I think God left it rather ambiguous because no one's supposed to know the day or the hour. Exactly. And he says that. But he does say... The return is imminent, and we do know that he wins in the end. Mm-hmm. The believers in Christ are going to be resurrected. I mean, we know this. Mm-hmm. These are the things that have nothing to do with any other timeline right. at this point. Mm-hmm. And so we don't need to spend our time arguing about it. Uh, I was talking to a guy once, and I've written some books, on, uh, little books for church groups. And uh, I used in the books, I used the New Living Translation. Okay. I did that on purpose because the New Living Translation at that particular time that I wrote them was not the most popular translation. I wanted to put it in a different uh, kind of venue, more of a discussion mm-hmm. kind of venue. And the New Living Translation did fine for me. So I was talking to a, a large group that wanted to promote the books, and I gave him a set of the books. And he uh, wrote me a note later and said, I'm sorry, it's not King James. We won't do anything. We won't touch anything you do. Huh. And I thought, Really? Because it's not King James. Hmm. Here, my answer is somebody comes to me and says, what's the best um, uh, version of the Bible to read? I'll ask them, which one would you read? Mm-hmm. Find the one that you would read, and that's your best version. You hmm. know, if you're not going to read the these and thous because of the King James, then don't read the King James. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you want a, an easier flow translation, then the New Living Translation might be better. There's a difference between a paraphrase and a translation, and I might talk to him about that. Mm-hmm. But, but all that we read in English is a translation. Mm-hmm. And so there's several that you can choose from. Right. And some are more word for word, some are thought for thought, but you can choose <laughs> them. Yeah, you can't read it in the original King James. No, <laughs> yeah, the original. So it just seems that though the harshest treatment I get and if I go somewhere, are critics within the church. But why is that? I, I can't tell you why. why. Why do they think that King James is so much better? Why because do they? They yeah. grew up with it. 
Okay. And that's really, I, I can't come up with a reason because yeah. honestly, now this will get people that are King James only mad at me. I don't think it's the greatest translation. I think the more modern translations are more accurate and, and easier to read and better. And educationally, I'll tell you this, that if I'm teaching a child that the Bible's important, I want to give it to them in the language that they understand. Mm-hmm. Because if I keep giving it to them in a language that they don't normally use and they don't really understand it, and they pretend like they do, then I'm having them pretend that they have a relationship with God and that they know what was said. Mm. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be guilty of that. So with children, I try and find the translation that makes the most sense to them Mm -hmm. and give it to them because I want them to know what's said. Makes sense. Um, I am not, however, against King James translations. Right. In fact, if you hear me quote verses, it will be a weird combination of King James NIV and ESV hmm. because those are the translations I basically used to teach from through life. Mm-hmm. I memorized a lot as a kid in King James and I can't get that out of my head. Mm-hmm. But if I start quoting it, sometimes those who really know the verse kind of roll their eyes because I just put a whole different twist on the translations and I've added words and done things. And, <laughs> and, and at the end it's like, you just murdered the word of God in that sense. It's, <laughs> it's like, well, not really. I just combined a bunch of translations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and and I, I don't want to get in the middle of that. I have a friend who actually is with the Lord now who is a Bible translator with Wycliffe. Hmm. And I remember him having to defend himself on different things that I don't think he should have had to defend himself on to Christians. Hmm. Um, what they were doing is they were trying to figure out how to use the word God in the Arabic world when Allah meant God. But Allah wasn't mm-hmm. God. Right. And really, he was telling me of a time where he was working with a village. It was in Africa, and he was or working with a village. And the word for God that they would use in context was really the word the villagers used for Satan. Hmm. And the word that they would use for Satan was the word that they used for God. Hmm. Now, he said, if the world were isolated, that'd be an okay thing. We could just go with it. Right. But it's not isolated. They got people from other villages coming in and this and that. And it's like, oh, man, how do we translate the scriptures? Wow, yeah. When they have the total opposite word usage of the village next door. Hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm not even a Bible translator, and I, I can see your dilemma Yeah. here. And I asked him what he did, and he did give me an answer that didn't make any sense. So I, I can't share that with anybody because I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but but I, I thought leaving, I thought, you know what? I, my heart goes out to this guy. The problem is, right before that, I was listening to some people on the radio criticize Wycliffe missionaries because they don't translate the word God right. And I'm thinking, do you even know what goes into it? Mm. You know, I'm not sure whether they do or not, honestly. I haven't looked at all of them. But do you know the struggle that they have to go through to find the right words? Wow. Because they're working in a culture who has a vocabulary. Right. And now they have to translate the Bible and make it sensible to that vocabulary. Yeah. Somehow. Um, I tell you, I tip my hat to them, but I wouldn't criticize them. Yeah. At this point. Yeah, Christians need to be gracious to other Christians trying to do the best they can to honor God with the tools they have. And that's the summary right there. And uh, you've been listening to Younger Older. There's a production from the Relate365.com leadership team.
We're here on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, and we invite you to check out nicolaybibleinstitute.org, and uh, we look forward to being with you next time.